Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. I have Lisa Dahl, and she's a certified health and wellness coach that specializes in intuitive eating, mindful eating, and body image. Her hallmark emphasis on mindfulness and self-compassion helps women find a successful pathway to whole body wellness. She supports her clients as they discover body peace and food freedom on their journey to break free from dieting and diet culture. Her clients all achieve a higher level of well-being as Lisa guides them through visioning, goal-setting, and accountability. So I'm really excited to have Lisa with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to dig into our topic. I know, because this is something we have never talked about on the podcast, but I think it's an issue for a lot of women. So tell us a little bit about how you discovered intuitive eating and what exactly is it? So if somebody had told me five years ago that I would not be dieting and I would let all the rules and all the things go, I would have said, absolutely not, never, not me. I started dieting when I was 13 years old, and I say that I grew up with Weight Watchers, Snackwells, and the Miss America pageant. Everything was compared. <laughs> sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> but that's, I, I mean, I'm 57. That uh-huh. is what we grew up with. Right, right. And dieting continued on most of my life. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I could diet better than most people. Mm -hmm. And that gave me that feeling of superiority, that feeling of judgment. I had a lot of opinions about myself. I had a lot of opinions about others. And when I transitioned careers about six years ago from catering to health and wellness coaching, I thought I was going to be the best weight loss coach out there. I could do it. Give me some education, some information. I'm going to be your girl. Mm -hmm. Then what I discovered as I continued with my education and working with my clients we would have something called share your progress day and they would be making great strides in their actions, their behaviors. They were making changes that were making them feel good, that they were feeling empowered. Mm -hmm. And then we would talk about the number on the scale and they would feel awful, defeated, deflated. And it started to make me become more introspective about my own life and my own patterns and how I was so chained to my scale And as I continued to get educated, I started to discover all those things that I took such great pride in, restriction, depriving, not eating, were really patterns of disordered eating and very close to an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Through all of this, I came across the book called Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon, who now goes by Lindo Bacon. Mm -hmm. And it changed everything my whole belief system of smaller bodies were better bodies, smaller bodies were healthier bodies, smaller bodies were happier bodies, was simply not true. And from there, I found the practice of intuitive eating. And I shifted my entire practice to be non-diet, no rules, weight inclusive. And in my heart, I so emphatically believe that I will never ethically or morally support another human to go on a diet and to lose weight, that I have just learned so much about myself, how our bodies function, 
and the values that we can live by and that we are all so much greater than the number on the scale. Mm-hmm. So intuitive eating is really just listening to your body? So intuitive eating is based on principles, not rules. It starts with the premise that it is about instinct, emotion, and rational thought. We are all born intuitive eaters. So Mm -hmm. if anybody who is listening is a caregiver or a parent and they've cared for an infant, they will see that the baby will start to suck on their lips, suck on their fingers. They'll smack their lips. They'll start to cry if their needs aren't met. Mm -hmm. When they are fed, they are then satisfied. They will push the bottle or the breast away. They will turn their heads, close their mouths, and they intuitively know their hunger and their fullness. They have no other noise around them. They just are able to listen to their body. They are connected. Mm-hmm. As caregivers, we start to shift that. As baby doesn't sleep through the night, maybe they need more food. And then the rules start to come as they become toddlers. You can have this, it's good for you. No, you can't have that, it's bad for you. And we start to label our foods. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that while we were all born intuitive eaters, about 27, 28 years ago, there was two dietitians who really took this practice and formalized it into these principles. And the principles are noticing the diet culture, rejecting that information. Just because we have heard all of these things doesn't mean that they're necessarily true. Learning to become curious and see how those beliefs are impacting your choices and do they align with your values. The second principle is learning to honor your hunger. So people who are dieting, We take great stride and pride in the fact that we can skip meals and we eat according to calorie math and balancing macros, Mm -hmm. and we're very disconnected from our hunger. The third principle is giving yourself permission to eat. And permission to eat is very different than I'm off my diet, I'm cheating, I can have this. It is about unconditional permission to eat because when you have that permission, it shifts your entire relationship with food. The fourth principle is challenging the food police, that chatter, that dialogue that we all hear in our mouth every time we make a decision, we choose to eat something. Like my food police was the nutritional informant. I would look at every label and instantly decide based on the calorie math if I could have it or I couldn't have it. Mm -hmm. The fifth principle is satisfaction. And satisfaction is the hub of intuitive eating. So if you can imagine a bicycle and you have the center and there's all these spokes, Mm -hmm. satisfaction is in the middle because it's not just about the food that you're eating. It is about your environment, coping with your emotions, with kindness. Who are you with your environment, your hunger, your fullness? Satisfaction just doesn't come from eating a particular favorite meal. There's so many other things that can make that meal enjoyable or remove that satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Feeling your fullness is another principle. Respecting your body. Movement. And movement is about feeling good, not about shrinking your body. Because often people will start to exercise, work out, and their goal is to shrink their body. And Mm -hmm. when that doesn't happen, they ignore how good they have been feeling based on their movement choices. Mm -hmm. And they stop doing it because they haven't gotten that result. 
And nutrition comes last so that we can continue to practice connecting with our mind, our body, our heart, and our food. That when we add nutrition, we don't want to turn it back into another diet. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you know if you have body dysmorphism? I see a lot of young women that look great and they look healthy and they have this distorted image of how they really look. It's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's complicated. And it has to do a lot with our thoughts Mm -hmm. and what is happening around us and where we're getting these messages and what are we looking at and what are we seeing all day. Social media is a perfect example. When you look at somebody, I mean, how many times are people body checking, body comparison? Mm -hmm. It's a mental health thing. It is not just about our food. It's complicated, and that is something that is really supported by a somebody who specializes in eating disorders. My specialty is disorder eating mm-hmm. and body dysmorphia and anorexia, binge eating. It's mental health. But there's a difference between somebody who binges, who I absolutely support, mm-hmm. and the depth of the binge that they are experiencing. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that are absolutely in my scope and other things are out of my scope. Mm -hmm. So how do you eliminate guilt and shame around eating? It takes time, patience, practice, and compassion. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about guilt and shame, these are things that you have been practicing for X number of years, probably Mm -hmm. since you are young. Mm -hmm. And we really take time to sort out those thoughts. Where are those thoughts coming from? Are they really true? We start to build new thoughts that are accepting. I am learning to eat. I am learning to eat without guilt and shame. How Mm -hmm. do we shift it to the positive and create those beliefs that the person who's experiencing the challenge can accept? We can't go from guilt and shame to, oh, I'm going to eat everything in sight and I'm not going to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. That is the crystal ball. We can wish for that. How do we set that plan in place? That's our long-term goal. We need to break it down and we need to work with you as an individual to understand where those thoughts and patterns are coming from and how do we begin to create new thoughts, new actions, new behaviors to reach that ultimate goal of being able to enjoy food. And it goes back to the principles of intuitive eating, Mm -hmm. learning to give yourself permission to eat. When you honor your hunger, that helps to eliminate the typical binge. People will say, oh, an emotional eater and at nine o'clock at night, I have no self-control. The binge is not what's happening at nine o'clock at night. It's really about what has happened all day, the day before, the week before. Mm And we look at all of those pieces and we start to put the puzzle together one small piece at a time. And it sounds like self-talk is a big part of this because, I mean, I imagine some people might not even be aware that they have such negative self-talk around their bodies. Like you just said, they have no self-control. How has that affected their eating patterns? Think about as women, how often do we sit around having a glass of wine, going out for lunch, having coffee, 
And the conversation inevitably talks about, oh, I hate this. Can you believe this? I so horrible. I'm the whole negative litany Mm. starts to be the premise of our self-talk. And we don't even notice it until we start to take that step back, take that pause and become aware of our actions and our behaviors. Mm -hmm. When I work with my clients and it makes me laugh with them all the time Mm -hmm. because they will say this week, I don't think I really did great this week, but I noticed this. That is the key. That's the keys to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. When you become aware and you can start to see your actions and your behaviors, noticing the things aren't serving you, as well as really noticing the things that are serving you. Let's focus on the positive. When you had a really good experience, what was in place? What were you doing? How do we bring that forward Mm -hmm. so that we can use the positive information to help us get through those other challenges and opportunities to get to where we want to be. Self-awareness, self-talking is huge. Mm -hmm. And we have the power, just like we learn these thoughts, we can learn those new thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think you just nailed it on the head with everything in life. It's just becoming aware. Even when I work with positive self-talk with young women, they'll go to college or high school and come back and say, Mary Kay, everyone's so negative. And it's only because they've just become finally aware of their self-talk that they start to see it in people around them. And that's when the change happens. And same thing with meditation. When you say, I don't know how to meditate, this is so hard. And then just becoming aware of how you start the process to learn, they just becoming aware helps you learn how to meditate. It's interesting. It is. Meditation is something that I do bring into my practice with my clients. And I I don't have the same level of experience that you do with meditation. Mm -hmm. Just helping my clients understand, though, that it's not a game of perfection Mm -hmm. allows them to be far more accepting into the practice, that the practice isn't about focusing, letting that mind be, but the practices is bringing yourself back to the breath or whatever that concept is, is that you're focusing on Mm -hmm. noticing when you shift and they notice so many other things throughout their day with that meditation practice. Mm -hmm. So how do you support clients through your three-step process? I start with something that I call vision planning. And we take a lot of time talking about all the things that are going on in their life. When I work with my clients, they think that food is the problem. Food is the messenger. Mm -hmm. So we are looking at all of their strengths, their challenges, their hopes, their wishes, their dreams, their goals, Mm -hmm. creating that awareness. As we dig in to creating that vision plan, Where do they want their best future self to be in a certain period of time? Mm -hmm. We then take that vision and we break it down into three-month goals. And then as we work together, we work on weekly goals so that we take it into bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. And when we create goals, the goals aren't pie in the sky. You have to redo your entire life tomorrow morning. I'm starting to work with me. We are taking you where you are right now. Health and wellness is a moving target. We all have different needs and opportunities. What's important to you today? How do we want to support that goal to build self-efficacy and confidence? And we just break down each week on where do you want to be? How do we set you up for success? 
What can we learn? What went well? And we build on that positive psychology as we go step by step to reach that ultimate health and wellness vision. Mm -hmm. What do you, how do you feel about skipping breakfast? I remember when I was younger, I would just rather sleep than eat my breakfast and race out the door to school. What are your thoughts about three meals a day and skipping breakfast? I am a firm believer in helping people learn about their hunger, what is going on in their life. You know, are they disconnected from their hunger? Is it lack of time? What are they noticing about their energy an hour, two hours, three hours later? What are they noticing about the amount of food that they're consuming at different times of the day? So I don't have a hard, fast rule on eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. My perspective is more about helping them connect their mind, their body, their heart, and their food Mm -hmm. so that they can understand what's best for them. My wish is that they are willing to experiment and try different things to see if what they're doing is best for them or is there something else that might be better? We don't know. And I help my clients build that self-efficacy and be an expert on their own bodies. It's Mm -hmm. not for me to tell them Mm -hmm. what and how much to eat. That's interesting about being disconnected from their hunger because I would imagine that is a big problem. So when people lose energy and feel tired all the time, is that connected to blood sugar levels? How do you help people manage blood sugar levels? It could be blood sugar. It could be, are they having a lack of sleep? It is looking at that big picture Mm -hmm. of what is going on in their life. And how are they feeling? What are they noticing? What is, what's leading up to that? What happens after they eat? And if it is a blood sugar level, then we really start to look at how are they nourishing their body? What is working on the days that they're not crashing? What's happening? Mm-hmm. I am not a nutritionist. As a coach, I mm-hmm. help them discover what's happening. And if they are working with a nutritionist, that's a perfect candidate for me to support them to be mm-hmm. able to make those changes. Because often they get, here's what you should do. And then they kind of walk out the door and they're like, well, how do I build that into my life? Mm -hmm. So I help them work through how to implement those changes that need to be made. Mm -hmm. So how do you stop the preoccupation with food and weight and body image? Do you recommend just deleting all social media? I mean, what would (laughs) (laughs) I wish we could. world (laughs) in a very perfect world and that's such an important question Mm -hmm. because there's so much data about the impact of social media and what is happening not only is what's happening to our young children and adolescents it is affecting all of us we have curated our social media feeds to reflect whatever our interests are. So a great example from six years ago, my social media looked like everybody's before and after pictures and I'm (laughs) cheering everybody on and, and I'm thinking I'm being supportive. And then I realized that I'm contributing to somebody else's potential eating disorder, or I don't know if they are having a health crisis. I don't know if they're experiencing grief or divorce. We Mm. don't know what we're cheering on And then I learned that their before and after picture, that that before picture is going to be the after after picture. Mm -hmm. So 
starting with social media is definitely one of the places that I offer as a suggestion when they are ready and to start to create a feed that reflects people that look like you. When you are surrounded by others that look like you, you begin to accept what your body looks like a little bit easier as opposed mm -hmm. to just looking at somebody who has thin privilege and the thin ideal. It becomes a very different story in your head. When we start to look at social media feeds and we see our own reflection in those pictures, we start to become a little bit more accepting. And it's not just flip the switch on social media. There's a lot of inner work that needs to be done. It's a lot of support that's needed, a lot of self-talk, positive psychology. Are you wearing clothes that make you feel good? When you are walk into your closet and you have five different sizes and you're on the other side of the closet, what's happening to your mental health? Mm -hmm. How do we learn to create acceptance for where we are? Mm -hmm. And it begins by wearing clothes that make us feel good, getting rid of the power. I call it the tiny tag, that little stupid tag that's attached to every piece of clothing that as a dieter, if it's a small number, you rejoice and you jump up and down and you feel empowered. Mm -hmm. If it's on the other side, you feel filled with guilt and shame and you go home and you're not going to eat for a week. How do we start to shift and make those changes? One of the things that I have had clients do when they are really struggling and they need clothes, go to a store with a friend. You walk through the store, you pick out what you like, have your friend pick out several different sizes. Do not look at the tags. Put the clothes on. Do not look at the mirror. When the clothes feel good, turn around. Do not look at the tag. Mm -hmm. Think about how you look and remove that judgment about, oh, it can't look good because it's a size X. Mm -hmm. Take that power away. Right. I know some people won't even buy a size that is two sizes bigger than what they thought they were or... They just right. won't even go there, even though it looks great. Right. And it takes time and there's no magic bullet. And mm -hmm. it's getting rid of the thought that every time you go on a diet, that somebody is offering you hope of this magical, mystical body. Mm -hmm. When you realize that the diet is the thing that keeps you out of control, Mm -hmm. Because when you stop dieting and you start and you begin to be able to listen to yourself and that you can be the expert, you're no longer out of control. You are connected to your mind and your body and you can make the best choice for you mm -hmm. at that moment in time. You take your power back when you start to get off those diets. And maybe even looking at food as nurturing your body versus punishment. I have to eat this banana. <laughs> yeah. Right. How do you get rid of that? Food has no moral value. Mm -hmm. We put this judgment on the food. Mm -hmm. How does that food make you feel? And there's a difference between I can't have it or learning how much you can eat where it still feels good in your body. So there's a practice in intuitive eating called habituation, permission to eat food. And I'm going to use M&Ms as an example. When you can understand your hunger, understand your fullness, when you are not starving and not stuffed, you are willing to eat mindfully, sitting down at the table, having your bag of M&Ms, and you have permission to eat as many as you want over the next however many weeks it takes, 
you may eat that pound of M&Ms that first week. And then you're going to notice that you have permission to eat more tomorrow and that a pound doesn't really feel so great. And you're going to start to notice that you don't need to eat so much. And you might discover a handful of M&Ms is really satisfying. Mm-hmm. And that is enough. And you can have more tomorrow versus I can't have M&Ms for six weeks. And then you eat pound after pound day after day or the mm-hmm. ice cream because you know that that next diet is going to come again. Right. It's like the deprivation kills you. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. So on your absolutely. website, you talk about a glowing life. How do you create a glowing life? It's understanding going back to that vision plan. Mm-hmm. What brings you joy? Not what somebody else's wishes for you. Not what somebody else told you you should do. Taking that time to understand your hopes and dreams, how to live your life in relationship to your values, your goals, what brings you joy, what makes you happy, how to set boundaries around things that don't serve you, how to set boundaries around people who have lots of opinions about your life. What does your best future you look like? Mm -hmm. And when you can connect to that, that's when your life has joy being grateful, practicing gratitude, being curious, shifting from judgment, bringing in compassion. Mm -hmm. And the people you surround yourself with are a big part of that joyfulness and that glowing life, I would imagine, because women need to find friends that lift them up that make them feel good about themselves. And sometimes they don't always realize that because they're so grateful to have a friend and Meanwhile, they're really putting them down and they don't see it until it gets to the point where they're really frustrated. It's almost like the friend when you go out and she's disappointed, you're not drinking tons with her. (laughs) It's like that. How do you find community and connection? And I refer to that as social nourishment. Right. We all need social nourishment. And it's learning to be honest that we all have different phases in our life and different friends for different reasons and people come and go. Mm -hmm. How do you trust when you are with somebody? Is this person building you up? Is this person helping you? Is she engaging with you? Is this Mm -hmm. bringing joy? Or do you come home and you're like, oh, I like her, but. Right. (laughs) If you felt that, I like to help my clients use the word and. I like her and she's really draining. Mm-hmm. I like her and she has a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Is that serving you? Maybe she's the friend that now needs to go to once every six months and create mm-hmm. some separation because you are getting something out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. How often do you need that relationship? Mm-hmm. Social nourishment is huge because lack of social nourishment has a direct negative impact on our social, mental, and our physical health. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. So how do people eliminate the weight fluctuations? Stop dieting. Yeah. (laughs) So what does that really mean? So Mm -hmm. there is something called set point theory. And if you are somebody who has been chronically dieting and think about it as being in an amusement park, And you're on that roller coaster and it goes round and round and you're on the adult side. 
So there's big, huge ups and downs and loop-de-loops. The goal is to go to the baby park and go on the baby roller coaster where there's just some natural ups and downs, ebbs and flows. And the way to do that is to stop the dieting and learning how to connect with your hunger, your fullness. And this is not a hunger fullness diet. They're understanding your emotions, creating skills to manage your stress and anxiety in addition to the cookie box. Mm Because sometimes the cookies are what you need and getting rid of all of those rules and understanding that, as I've said before, time, patience, practice, and Mm self-compassion, that it doesn't happen overnight. And it could take a long period of time to fall into that natural set point weight that is best for your body. Mm -hmm. We might not even know what that looks like. If you've been dieting for 20 years, you have no idea what would happen we're not giving up. This isn't like throwing in the towel. It's learning a new skill set that is about whole body health and understanding that movement, that health is far greater than just movement and nutrition. So I, when I was young, I stepped on the scale a lot because I was a gymnast and I always thought it made a difference on how much I weighed. But Now, I never step on the scale. How do you feel about scales? In a perfect world, I have this vision of every woman I know going to the highest building that we could find, bringing their scales and throwing them out the window and watching them smash. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody wants to join that party, let me know, because that is something that I was chained to a scale. And Mm -hmm. there would be days, weeks, months, and years where I would get on the scale multiple times a day to make sure that I did not gain an ounce. And if I did, then I wouldn't get back on the scale for a few weeks because I was going to starve myself until I could have the guts to get back onto the scale. Right. I think a scale is evil and it doesn't tell you if you are healthy. It does nothing to serve you. Mm -hmm. No, totally agree. I just think it creates so much more anxiety than it's worth. Even when people are completely fit, it gives you this false impression. It's a liar. Right. <laughs> right. How many women wake up in the morning? They tiptoe into the bathroom. They make sure they go to the bathroom. They shut the door, make sure nobody's watching. They make sure that they're stripped down. Then mm-hmm. they hold their breath, step on the scale. And they could have been in a really good mood until they stepped on that scale. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the day is horrible and right. they have lost all their confidence and everybody's going to notice that they gained a half a pound and their day is shot. Right. There is nothing positive about the scale. And what people don't know is that when they go to the doctor's office, unless there is a true medical reason, not just because you're going for your annual physical, mm-hmm. you do not have to get on the scale. I you know, agree. I just say no. And Just say no. And I have little cards that help you do just say no. (laughs) If you are a parent and you are bringing your children in, do not let anybody have a conversation about weight in front of your child. Mm -hmm. If somebody wants to discuss weight about your child, you do it alone with that practitioner, but do not have your child in that room with you. I remember my son getting the fat letter from school. 
And they were oh. like, his BMI is off the charts. Now, the kid didn't have an ounce of fat, and he was completely fit. He was totally muscle-bound and ended up being this great athlete. And I thought, if he's getting the fat letter, everyone in the yeah. school is. I mean, it really scared right. me. He was like, Mom, it, it, I think they got the wrong grant. <laughs> he, he couldn't even believe it. It's, and it reminds me, when I was a freshman in high school, and we were told the week before that we were going to be weighed and measured. It was a week of such stress and panic. Wow. And I remember watching everything that I was eating that week and skipping breakfast that morning mm -hmm. because I was going to be standing in line and all of these girls around me were going to be in thinner, better bodies. They're going to tell everybody what the number is. I didn't fit in as it was. Now I'm going to be labeled as fat and not fit in. Mm-hmm. And how do we change that language where fat is not a negative adjective that we can talk about fat and thin as the adjective that it is just a descriptor mm -hmm. and that we need to get rid of that fear of fat. Right. It doesn't tell you anything about somebody's humanness and who mm -hmm. they are at their mm -hmm. core. We need to change what we are seeing and what we are talking about. Yeah. I know. I love that quote. If the world was blind, how many people would you impress? Because we're so easily impressed by the way someone looks. And if they can be completely that. vacant. But I do love that idea. How can people get in touch with you to learn more? Um, they can go to my website, which is lisadahlwellness.com. I have a new TV show that is called Getting Healthy Without Rules, and that could be found on my YouTube channel. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I offer free office hours and free monthly conversations, and you can find that schedule on my website. And everybody is welcome. If you are hearing this, you are part of my community. Come join us, ask questions, and learn how to be your best self by empowering yourself and becoming the expert on you. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time and the wealth of information. And hopefully our audience will see the power in your words. It's a really powerful message what you're doing. And so thank you. Well, thank you. And I'm excited to have you as a guest on my show so that we can share your expertise with my audience as well. I know. So I can't wait. I know. It's been like the perfect connection. Yes. And I look forward to hearing the episode and being a part of your community. Thank you. Likewise. Have a great day. Take care. Please find a comfortable position for a short meditation. And just say to yourself, I love and accept my body. My body is beautiful and strong. Invite your spirit guides, higher self, their higher self, and their guides in to help you. And set an intention that your work in intuitive eating and accepting your body, being mindful, 
is for the highest and best good. Now ground yourself in white light. Imagine there's this sparkling white light all around you. And then use roots to ground you. Visualize roots shooting down through your feet into the earth. Maybe they're wrapping around a boulder at the earth's center. And take a deep breath in and a long breath out. Allow stress to abandon your body. Anxiety dissipates. You can completely eliminate anxiety just by focusing on all the goodness in your life. Try to see it in the small moments. A hummingbird. A puppy. Mountain range. A river. And breathe out as you smile at all of the wonders with gratitude. Breathe in, now turning your attention to your heart. Exhale and let your heart calm and rest. The heart is always beating, always there for you every minute, every hour, every day. So feel that gratitude for your heart. How wonderful it is to have a heart beating, feeling love, loving your body and the people around you. With each breath, your heart relaxes even more, letting go of worries. At each inhalation, we send love to our hearts, smiling in gratitude. Breathe in and be aware of your face now. Let the muscles in the face relax completely. All the tension and worries release. Relax the eyes, the forehead. Breathe in, becoming fully aware of your entire body. And breathe out, noticing how completely relaxed, tranquil, anxiety-free you feel. Breathe in again, send love and compassion to the whole body. Exhale and smile. The body has this wonderful self-healing ability. And all you have to do is express gratitude and love every inch of your beautiful body. Feel gratitude in every cell. And then relax even more and more deeply. Breathe in, respecting yourself, respecting your body. Exhale, letting go of any worry surrounding your body. Imagine that time when you were a child running down the beach. You didn't think of your body. You were just free to be. Try to encompass that feeling, that carefree anxiety-free feeling you had. Everyone was there at some point. And embrace it. Let it dictate who you are. Be open. And invite your spirit guides to help. Help you to trust this feeling of acceptance 
and it'll help you open your, the doorway to your intuition. Just be gentle with yourself, love yourself. I accept and love my beautiful, strong body. Thanks for joining us today. Namaste. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast, and I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.